welcome back to The Conversation, a podcast aiming to encourage natural and honest discussions surrounding mental health and well-being. I've never properly introduced myself here, so welcome if you are a new listener. My name is Em and I'm a freelance writer and mental health advocate. I'm fortunate enough to have some really lovely family and friends who want to share their mental health journeys with me. And this week's episode... I know I'm not allowed favourites, but I absolutely loved this chat. It's with my wonderful friend Anya, and we spoke all about depression. As always on this podcast, we've touched upon some pretty heavy issues. Um, This week that included suicide, overdosing, anxiety, depression and panic attacks. So please don't listen if any of those might be hard for you. And take a look at the resources in our bio if you or someone you know are struggling. We are definitely not mental health professionals as much as we think we might be. So think of this podcast as friends chatting over coffee or in our case for this week, it was a lovely little gin. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at underscore the conversation pod. And now, as always, grab a drink, make yourself comfortable and get ready to join in the conversation. I guess I will say, please introduce yourself. Hello, so I'm Manya and I'm from Dorset, currently living in Brighton, um, studying from an MA in journalism with Emily. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we're loving Brighton. We are loving Brighton. We are loving this new lease of life. Um, Yeah, yeah. So obviously we're going to talk about depression because like... (laughs) Everyone loves that topic. It's something that came up really early in our friendship, I think. So we've only known each other Definitely. for like, what, six, seven months. But yeah, it, yeah, I remember the f- very first time we met, like we spoke quite yeah. a lot about mental health because I remember leaving and being like, oh, she seems cool. Like, <laughs> she seems very just open and like normal and... Yeah, and little did you know you'd be my therapist for the next seven months. I mean, I feel it's kind of, you know, we help each other out. But yeah, yeah, definitely. It's really important to have those kind of people that you, you know, you don't massively have to explain everything to (laughs) because they just kind of get it, you know, and accept things for what they are. So, um, yeah, what is, yeah, Yeah, if you don't mind telling us a bit about your experience, I guess. Um, well, it's been a bit of a long old road. Um, so I started therapy around 10 years ago, um, and that was with CAMS. Um, so I went through the NHS. I had symptoms of depression and anxiety for a couple of years. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't have a great experience with CAMS. I had CBT, which I wasn't a fan of. I think it helped somewhat. And then so that was 10 years ago and I've had on and off depressive episodes since then but so 10 years ago yeah. so you're 24 right 25 yeah yeah so yeah. you started yeah. so I, when you were 14 yeah yeah started having therapy yeah um yeah but it's it's a weird one because I even I even felt like I experienced some depressive symptoms sometimes even when I was in primary school but I would just go in weird phases where I didn't understand what it was and I couldn't articulate it so Mm -hmm. I'd pretend to be ill so that I wouldn't have to go to school and stuff like that um I had really sad ones where I like have distinct memories in primary school of going through phases where I wouldn't eat and like my parents were really worried for a while or I also went through phases where I wouldn't talk which like now is quite funny because like I won't shut the fuck up but like <laughs> yeah. I went through phases where I wouldn't I wouldn't talk or I wouldn't eat or I'd have kind of have these like like you say like these weird spells and looking back on it I'm like oh you're an anxious little kid but yeah you know I didn't know what to do with it I didn't know what it was and I just thought I was weird so I was like well I'm not gonna tell anyone about it because I don't know what will happen to me so you kind of just keep going until you reach some sort of breaking point I guess and I think the crazy thing is that we're both quite um happy people at our cause yeah we're both quite <laughs> we are both quite yeah quite laid back and quite cheerful yeah we both have had major struggles with our mental health so it just shows how yeah. it's so it's so separate from your 
personality. Yeah, was something which I I talk about mental health a lot, and depression is something I find sometimes hard to talk about because I don't think I've ever you know I feel comfortable talking about anxiety and panic attacks because I almost in some way feel I'm justified to talk about it because I've been in it and I'm just you know sometimes I think I'm overly aware that you know your voice shouldn't be the loudest in the room if you're not part of that conversation which yeah you know sometimes I feel is is counterproductive because I'm like you know it's encouraging everyone everyone should be able to talk about these things but I think the best people to talk about things like clinical depression are, you know, are people who have experienced it because I could read up on all the things in the world, but I still wouldn't understand to the same level. And that's why I think it's important to encourage, you know, family or friends or people, you know, if they're comfortable to talk about it, to like ask them questions and try to understand as best you can, even though you might not fully and I think depression is something which is so stigmatized and that people are like scared to talk about it. And you're probably the like poster of it because you are this beautiful, intelligent, like bubbly young girl. Well, young girl, young woman. Yeah. <laughs> people would probably look oh, at. Stop it. But people would probably look at and be like, well, you're not someone I would label as someone who has depression. Yeah. So have you ever had that where someone was like, really? You? Like, (laughs) definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 100%. But I think when you're, when I'm in a depressive episode, I'm so self-critical. And and sometimes it's that I, you know, I, I start to hate everything about myself. And then other times it's that I can see that I have good qualities, but that I'm not allowed bad qualities to be an adequate human being, if that makes sense. Right, okay. So I think it's as much as accepting, I think it's as much as with um, like accepting your flaws. Yeah, that's really, cause that's quite like a universal feeling. I think like I've definitely had phases in my life which I would say are perhaps like depressive episodes so I've had days where because of anxiety or because of certain things like grief or PTSD or things like that where I've been like yeah I feel really really shitty but having I can't imagine what it's like to have that for such a prolonged period of time I suppose and that's what I kind of like want to be able to understand you know I've had I'd say you know days where I've been like yeah I feel really rubbish today what what is it like to have that feeling you know all the time and how do you yeah I guess how do you break out of it yeah yeah it's it's definitely a difficult one um I think for me it manifests as a lot of insomnia um yeah I've gotten very used to going through periods of insomnia um crying a lot which can be quite embarrassing especially when I think emotions are so vilified mm-hmm. and being like experiencing intense emotions seems in juxtaposition with you being able to be a logical reasonable person like person if that makes sense I also just completely lose my appetite as well which when my mental health's good I absolutely love my food um like every kind of cuisine yeah um, yeah I can eat anyone under the table but when yeah when I'm depressed I just it's a struggle to cook because cooking seems like an effort and even eating seems like an effort and I just yeah don't don't really have the desire to do it so does that affect your self-confidence too um or sort of your self-image does that like does it do you change physically or is it just a mental thing yeah it, it's quite surreal when I am going through a depressive episode because a lot of friends and family members will comment on my weight um so it's quite surreal that my inter because I'm not trying to actively trying to lose weight when I am in these depressive episodes but it's interesting that my internal symptoms will manifest externally Mm -hmm. where others can see it yeah 
that is weird that's like a physical representation of something that you can't really put into words and you're like yeah, oh, this, yeah. is, this is having an actual effect like on my body <laughs> yeah yeah and a, like a friend's said to me with the recent episode that I've gone through a friend said to me um how are you doing are you okay because I, I do know I've noticed you've lost weight and I do know that that happens when you're depressed because you do forget to eat or you aren't interested in eating so yeah I mean I suppose that's a way of of looking out for you I guess a lot of it is how they construct that conversation because if someone's just like yeah. you know almost saying it is in a negative or in a any way that's not constructive or showing that their priority is just caring about you and your like mental well-being um then I suppose that's amazing what's how are you with chatting to your friends and family about it so obviously we we talk quite openly and I know you've told me before that you chat like you're really close to your brother um and your family so like have you always been quite comfortable talking about mental health and depression or is it something as you've gotten older you feel a lot more comfortable with definitely something that I've become more comfortable with as I've gotten older um so I think because I was so young when I started experiencing it and none of my friends have been through it I didn't I didn't even know anyone I didn't really know many people in my age that were in my year group that have been through it so it was really hard to talk about and I spoke about it with my parents a lot and yeah they've witnessed it all but it took me so even though I, when I started having therapy when I was 14 it actually took me two years to tell my closest friends that I'd been experiencing depression mm. for around four years and I even, how was how was that as a conversation difficult yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> really hard yeah yeah it was difficult to say and I even even with um people I was dating later on there were some that I would I would be dating for months and I, I wouldn't tell them anything whereas now I think I'm a lot more open about it and mm -hmm. interestingly well not interestingly unfortunately a lot of my friends have now experienced problems with their mental health but I think I've liked that I've been able to help them whether that's giving them advice or just someone to chat to really yeah I mean could, to be 14 and to be having to deal with all of that is is intense enough the thought of you know it's such a those like your formative years when you're in kind of secondary school and you're like finding out who you are and everything and I remember it's yeah. sort of like you just you just want to be liked or just not yeah. even liked just accepted and kind of my way of thinking about secondary school was like I just want to get through it like I want to be kind of under the radar I don't massively want anyone to know who I am but I don't want anyone to not like me you know just kind of not not cause any drama and so yeah having something which could be perceived as different or odd or like not normal um yeah the thought of talking about that even with your closest friends must have been really really scary yeah definitely I think for so long I just hated the word depression it felt so mm -hmm. ugly and um yeah it's like a this it's one of the hardest mental health topics I think to address because it does have that stigma of like really really serious shit you know I think yeah. anxiety sometimes gets thrown around a bit um which is a whole other topic but yeah I think it's sometimes yeah I think it sometimes gets used uh quite flippantly which I understand yeah. because it has you know connotate like you can be anxious without having anxiety I get that yeah. but I I think it's it's much more intense to say that you're feeling depressed and that you have depression and even though I'm so um open about it now I think because I've gone through or still slightly going through a depressive episode recently and I found it hard to tell people at first even my housemates my family my close friends because even though I was open about having it in the past it feels so different to say you're having it you're experiencing it now because if I was cheerful then I got scared that 
they'd think I was making it up for attention or, or something. And then if I was mopey, um, then I, I worried that they wouldn't want to be around me. And yeah. Yeah, it's hard to be honest about a situation when you're in it. I understand that when you say, you know, talking about something retrospectively, it's hard enough to say, yeah, I, you know, I went through that experience that it was really rubbish to go like, I'm currently feeling this terrible, just to let you know, is a really, yeah. really hard thing to. Yeah, you suddenly become so aware of how you act and it seems like there's no, there's no right way to act because you can't, you can't act how you're truly feeling because then you isolate yourself, but then you don't want to be always putting on a front and seeming disingenuine so you're like constantly self-monitoring like do I seem too depressed do I seem too happy is it like weirdly happy what's where do I need to kind of be yeah yeah which is yeah tiring do you ever have so if you're in a depressive episode but obviously you might have moments where you feel slightly lighter or where you feel you know does it come in these sort of waves um it's varied I imagine it like when I had sort of depressed days I guess I'd call them um I was a it was very much like a dark cloud metaphor where my head felt constantly sort of foggy and heavy and for those days it was kind of so intense that there weren't any light moments really and things which I would normally do which would bring me pleasure and would bring me out of those moments I just didn't want to do but because those periods were so short where they did only last sort of a couple of days I did kind of feel like that all the time but I'm imagining you know when people go through depressive episodes which can last weeks or months or years you know are there those sort of lighter moments where you think oh okay maybe I'm you know sort of coming out of it a little bit and then you kind of fall back yeah. in or is it like a constant sort of underlying niggling um horrible there ha- feeling there has been recently I think I've been quite up and down but in the past especially I'd say I was at my worst when I was around 16 and around that time I just I didn't I never felt never felt happy mm. and even in the moments when you think that you're meant to feel happy I just I couldn't feel anything and yeah I I hated school for that reason I just felt so trapped and yeah Yeah. I I honestly I honestly thought that I would never get better and so when I say I was at my worst I think then I needed to get true I needed to get truly ill to get truly well Um, and I learned so many lessons from that and um, I think after that experienced yeah a lot a lot of self-growth and whenever whenever I have gotten a depressive episode it's always been like low level lingering and then gets really bad and then yeah good good days from there but yeah. progress still yeah. still not linear so it's, oh God, it's, no. a difficult... it's I find it really hard when people are like oh you know I, are you better now and I'm like well <laughs> yeah it's not yeah. kind of it's hard because I often use the metaphor of you know for people in my life who don't understand mental health stuff I'm like you know if you if you break your leg you could, you'd go to minor injuries you'd go to a uni and you would get help for it but when you try and describe that for your mental health I'm like there is no you know they're not going to put it in a cast for four months and then it's going to be better you Definitely. know you're, it's going to yeah. be something which requires constant monitoring really and yeah. it's always going to be there yeah and when and when people say to you, are you feeling better now? Do you feel pressure to say yes, even though that might not be the case? Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Especially yeah. like in like you said, I sometimes the worst times for me, without a doubt, are when I'm in a bad mental health episode, but I'm doing something happy. Because I feel, yeah. you know, when you I've learned to allow myself to have bad days. So sometimes there'll be days when I just wake up and I just know I feel anxious. And I'm like, if I do anything here to put myself in a situation I'm not going to like, I will probably have a panic attack. And I know that. But if you've got stuff planned and you think, no, I need to be happy, those situations are the worst because, oh, definitely. Like yeah. you were saying, you get really self aware 
of do people know what I'm feeling like am I coming across to the other way and then you come you're like am I lying to people should I just be honest but I don't want to bring down the mood and it yeah it's so like people will never know that like the thoughts in your head when you're in these situations and you could literally just be sat there like silently nodding in your head you're thinking like a thousand different things of is you know is everyone gonna hate me am I gonna throw up do I need to leave like I'm a terrible person I'm a terrible friend definitely yeah and I think something that I've learned is that your your brain can definitely trick you and that thoughts that your thoughts do definitely not equal reality what do you mean just that when when I was at my worst I honestly felt like my family would be better off if I died which is just it's just completely illogical it's crazy to think that I had ever thought that way um but does it scare you thinking back like retrospectively yeah yeah a bit yeah but I think I just know that I'll never I don't think I'll ever get to that place again Mm. um because I think probably with my depression and anxiety I think it's made me so much closer to my family and um and and friends as well yeah oh yeah when you push yourself to you know when you're in like a real desperate moment it it makes you realize the people that you're going to lean upon um and it makes you realize that actually people like want to help you (laughs) definitely yeah like you're like quite like me and like you're pretty rubbish for asking for help but sometimes like people like helping people they love so like and I'm the same like if someone you know if someone comes to you with an issue you want to help them because it you know selfishly it makes you feel good like helping someone makes you feel good it's a in some ways it's a really selfish act but it's a really great one to do because both people come out and it's a positive situation but yeah definitely doing it and asking for help is really really scary and I can imagine was incredibly scary at the age of 14 when like life is confusing enough as it is so what what year we what year were you in at school at 14 um so that would have been around year nine I'm just trying to imagine what, what my life was like at year nine and you know the front that you must have had to put on for no one to question how you were feeling yeah yeah so like like were you quite bubbly at school were you quite like a happy person or were you quite quiet I'd say I was happy and bubbly with my close friends but I was also very shy at school I think the shyness definitely went away started to go away when I started drinking I think um (laughs) right yeah (laughs) yeah so I before before I drank I was very shy and not very good at speaking to people outside of my friendship group Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know yeah it's strange that these things aren't picked up on because I would miss a lot of school and I would always miss the bus because I wasn't sleeping properly so it would be hard to wake up and yeah maybe maybe there's not enough awareness and I think as well when you go to a state school obviously not victimizing ourselves because 93% of the population or something do but you you do sort of become lost among the crowd yeah for sure it's very easy to slip through the cracks I think yeah I mean it doesn't change at school or workplace or uni you know it's so easy if the mental health awareness and resources and training and education aren't up to scratch it's incredibly easy to for people to go unnoticed and things like you say just being late to things or there being a pattern of lateness or there being a pattern of shyness or in certain lessons or things like that and it needs to get picked up on and I remember I actually had a teacher in school she was called Miss Brady and she was one of the nicest women she was like really artsy um, and just such a nice lady and I remember I used to always feel really really anxious in one of my maths classes 
because I'm just really shit at maths. And there was this one teacher who I really, really didn't like, and they would always pick on me and it would always make me feel really flustered. And it meant my adrenaline would go up. And so my heart would feel really like palpitating and it would make me feel really nauseous. Um, so at the time, you know, I didn't really know what that was, but every time I knew I had that class, I would feel really, really anxious about it. And I didn't realize that I'd started to feel really, really ill before that class. And it went on yeah. for months. And I would always end up in like the medical room. And she, it was a couple of weeks that it happened like consistently. And she was like, is like, is there something wrong in the class? And I was like, what class? And she was like, well, that you always, you're always in the medical room an hour before you have this class. And I was probably about 11. And I was like, yeah. no, no, you know, it's because I thought, oh my God, I'm going to get in trouble. And she would, and she was such a, such a lovely lady. And she was like, no, you, you know, you're not going to get in trouble, but is there someone in there, you know, is someone bullying you? Is someone being unkind? Do you feel unsafe or, and I was just like, no, no, no. And I tried to just blag it as a coincidence, but that I really appreciated her sort of realizing it and knowing. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, I feel kind of, even though I, you know, didn't really recognize it myself. I was like, someone else does. Yeah. Yeah. Someone, someone's keeping an eye out on you and, and maybe realizing something that you didn't realize yourself. And you, yeah, you just thought made, it was I illness. had that chat with her and I was like, oh, like really and obviously like the women in the medical room or whatever you know the like horrible receptionist that everyone has at secondary or junior <laughs> school who would just give you like a wet paper towel and they're like you're fine now and you like stick it on you literally like I remember once I literally like fractured my ankle and they gave me like a wet blue paper towel, paper towel. <laughs> and they made me sit on this seat and they were like you can go back to class now and I was like mate I'm not being funny I can't walk yeah. and, like they thought I was being so dramatic and then my mum had to ring them the next day to be like sorry Emily's not coming in she's on like crutches she's on bed rest and apparently they were like really embarrassed and I was like yeah fucking literally like there's that, that analogy of putting a plaster on a broken leg or something. Oh no, they literally and put a you literally had that <laughs> on my ankle and were like, you like you need to go back to class. And I was just hysterically crying. And they probably thought like, oh, she's just like, she's really dramatic. Um oh. no, my foot yeah. was literally a colour that a foot probably shouldn't be. <laughs> I say it's like um with my experience with cams, then recommending you run a hot bath or something and that will cure your suicide. oh yeah I love that so, so do you not know if you buy a certain scented candle it'll just cure your depression yeah well are the bath salts from love <laughs> um yeah better than any medication for sure trust so i was going to ask you about therapy and yeah so you've broke so you've spoken briefly so what who was the organization that you did that with at first um, so that was CAM. So that was the Child and Ad Adolescent Mental Health Services. And that was through the NHS. Um, so I had that for two years. How was and it? Not, um, I, I definitely learned some useful things, but I found see, it was CBT that I had. And mm -hmm. um, they gave me a bit of CBT and then also gave me a lot of worksheets and stuff to fill out. Um, so it's hard to know how much it did help because I did actually get a lot worse while I was with them. Um, and I started taking medication as well when I was around 15, 16. Mm -hmm. And that actually initially made me worse because yeah, I must've been 15. And when you're that young, um, SSRIs, which I took can actually increase your risk of suicidal behavior right um, because they make you more impulsive so I did actually so I, I over I tried to overdose when I was uh 16 and so we switched to another SSRI and, um yeah and then I went for private therapy and that was just that was just completely different because I think a lot of private therapists are trained in different kinds of therapy and they they 
go with what they think will suit you best or what kind of route you want to go down mm -hmm. it's not just one size fits all his worksheet yeah um, that's fixed <laughs> yeah the nhs is a a wonderful thing and i would I yeah would never definitely want to slander it but it, no, you know, like we're so lucky to have it. It's just chronically underfunded. It cannot provide, you know, such individual experiences to people. Um, whereas private, you know, in a way can, if it's a smaller practice and they can get to know people on such a personal level. Um, and that clearly it worked for you. So how long did you do private therapy for? Um, so I had it for a couple of years, got better um then had a different therapist for a couple of years I'm in the process of sorting out another one here in Brighton how how is how is that going practically is my first question because I've known a lot of people I was I have been meaning to look into it and have just kind of been putting it off I can't lie because the thought <laughs> it sounds stupid but like the thought of having to get a therapist makes me anxious so I don't do it when that's kind of like the worst paradox ever. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. When, <laughs> like when the whole experience is so stressful that it makes me not want to do it, <laughs> which is just fucking ridiculous. No, I completely get what you mean. And when, when your mental health is bad, it's just like you don't need another thing that you have to do when it feels like everything's piling on. When you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed or your mental health isn't great, you sometimes don't have the capacity to do those things. And that's when it's so important that you have people in your life who will gently and constructively help push you in those directions. Because if Definitely, you don't have those yeah. people, that's when, you know, I hate to think of the amount of people that have probably tried to get help and have been unsuccessful merely through they couldn't find the right thing or, you know, they didn't get, no one got back to them or yeah. the whole thing was just too confusing that they kind of gave up and oh definitely yeah it's disheartening I think when the waiting lists are so long mm -hmm. because when you're in the midst of it you just want help now yeah you can get impatient and one of the things when I actually had like my first GP appointment it was it was very sudden um because I'd kind of reached like breaking point that morning and my mum rang and got me like an on the day I think they called it like an, a medical emergency appointment and like we said you know my mum was like look she's not she's not at risk to herself or to anyone else she's not you know but it like this kind of needs to be sorted ASAP and they were like no yeah. you know mental health that, that counts as some sort of medical emergency so I didn't really have time to think about it um, and I didn't have that kind of build up, which was great. But I remember other times when I sort of knew I had an appointment coming up because I'd book one in when I was feeling really, really shit. But then by the time it came along, I was like, oh, well, yeah, I did feel awful. I could have really done with some support about three weeks ago. I'm kind of out of it now. Yeah. Um, but that would have yeah. probably been really helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you can easily slip back into it in a few days time and when people ask how you are you just you want so badly to say I'm fine or um I don't know about you but I even did that with therapists I would undermine how yeah. I was feeling because I don't know it was like it's like being in school or something and you want to I don't know impress a teacher yeah you can tell I was a little nerd but you want to no, impress mate, I was exactly the same <laughs> I did some um online CBT cognitive behavioral therapy stuff and I had like a um I used iTalk which was like the NHS's virtual sort of mental health support and I had a, a therapist who I communicated with um a couple of times a week and would sort of you know point out resources so it wasn't full therapy but they would sort of point out resources and they'd encourage me to like rate my day on how I was feeling and things like that but I just remember there was like this virtual chat and they're like hi Emily how are you and I was like yeah I'm great thank you how are you and they're yeah. like <laughs> like we know Why are you you're, here? <laughs> yeah like we know you're not it's okay and I was like oh well, actually I'm terrible but yeah. it's kind of your natural like instinct is to be like yeah I'm good how are you 
and then you're like oh, yeah nope <laughs> no no exactly yeah Literally crying or, um, while typing like yeah I feel great yeah. thank you how's your day yeah. yeah I know it's I found that hard when say for example my housemate will ask how my day's been and I'll say yeah yeah it was brilliant um forgetting that it was like getting out of bed felt like a mammoth task and once I was out I just wanted to crawl back in and just cry all day but yeah yeah I guess you you don't want to let people down or something so how do you deal with days where you you feel really really rubbish so like you said if if you've got a day where really small tasks seem incredibly overwhelming and unachievable how do you you know as you've gotten older have you sort of got coping strategies or are there certain things you do where you're like right I'm just going to do this today and if I do that then that's great or you know do you set boundaries for yourself how do you kind of get through like the really really hard bits um I think speak definitely being honest with people helps um even though that's definitely hard to do mm-hmm. um, another thing is I quite like uh, writing so it's not it's not anything I'd want to show anyone sometimes it's almost like writing like journaling um, other times it's fictional writing and it's all yeah probably quite depression quite oh, quite depressing like no one would want to read that but it's definitely helpful and it makes you make sense of it and also if you when you look back on what you've written before you can think okay some days it was bad other days it was better and every feeling is temporary and when I feel bad I, I find it hard not to I'm using too many negatives here no I think I know what you're going to say and I say exactly the same thing yeah about like feeling like you'll never get better yeah like when you're in that state of mind I find it impossible to think that I will never feel like that yeah like I the amount of the amount of text messages that I've sent to friends of mine who you know get the mental health thing and have heard all of my woes and stories and rambles and probably the most common message I send is just I'm worried I'm gonna feel like this forever and you know they yeah. they always respond with you said that last time and you got through it yeah. so you will get through yeah. it again but it is so hard when you're in a certain mental state to not imagine yourself being in that state <laughs> you're like well yeah. this is this is it surely this one is the one I am this now yeah. forever and it's yeah. so hard to talk yourself out of it and to have these two parts of your brain and to like talk sense into yourself is a really really hard thing to do definitely definitely and it's a bit like having a panic attack when I don't know if you get it when you um have that feeling like you're dying I've had it a yeah. few times when I've had panic attacks and yeah, you're convinced and and or I've phoned up um my mum for example and I've said I honestly do think I'm having a heart attack and I know that it's just the symptoms of a bad panic attack but you always think actually no this time this time it's the heart attack this is this the real I'm one dying. yeah 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 I would always say I would yeah I was exactly the same I'd be like, no one understands because it's actually happening now. And every single time, about 10 minutes later, I'd be like, yes, you're right. Um, yeah. so I remember there was a someone in my life who, who didn't understand panic attacks particularly well, who I won't name, but my friends will know who it was. <laughs> You'll know who it was. And oh, you know, yeah. they didn't, you know, they didn't really get it, which is fine. I understand if people don't get it that you could not get things but also respect things and yeah there was one time where they weren't being particularly respectful and they said like oh come on blood what's it actually you know whilst I was having one by the way mid panic attack and they're like well like, what does it actually feel like and I just remember turning to them and going I I genuinely think I'm dying and yeah. their face was like oh and it was almost like they hadn't quite realized the severity I think they just thought, oh, you're kind of flapping. 
was a word that I often got called like oh you're just flapping as in you're just yeah yeah, you know you're sort of your legs are jittering your heart's going your body's just having a bit of a mare and you're just getting a bit worked up and I was like it's more than feeling worked up I genuinely feel like I'm having a stroke I'm having a brain aneurysm I'm having a heart attack everything you could possibly imagine is currently happening to my body and I have no control over it and yeah explaining that feeling to someone else is really hard to do so I do understand when people say they don't get it because it's a hard thing to understand but it's an easy thing to listen to and to learn about and it sounds like you're being hyperbolic as well it sounds like you're like oh my god I literally felt like I was dying but there is no other way to I always say it because my brother who's um a biologist and he's like very scientifically minded and he finds it quite interesting because he you know is trying to understand the science of it all so there would be times when I'd be having a panic attack and he'd he was brilliant at calming me down because he would I think I've said this on the podcast before he would like explain the science behind things so he would force yeah. me to talk which I wouldn't want to do if I was having a panic attack because I would be like just shut up like everything stop because I, I don't know if you get this but I sometimes the only way I can describe it is I feel like I'm underwater like do you know when you're in a bath and if you put your head yeah. under the water and you hear the plug or like if you hear the chain of the plug hole and everything sounds quite echoey and like swimmy yeah. and you don't feel fully like in life I kind of felt like this kind of underwater anyway I'd be feeling like that and he talking to me and things would be constantly like bringing me to the surface which when it was happening was really, really hard and a real struggle. But the more times he did it, it's like each time I would come closer to the surface before I would like come out, if that makes sense. And I I tried to explain it to people like that and they got it. And the way he would do it is he'd be like, oh, how does your chest feel? And I'd be like, like I'm dying. And he'd be like, yeah, it, it will feel like that because what's happening is what might happen if you were having a heart attack. You know, this is what's happening to your heart palpitations. This is what's happening, blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, oh, my body's, you know, it's shaking uncontrollably. Like, I feel like I'm having a fit. And he was like, well, yeah, that is what would happen if you have a fit, but you're not having a fit because blah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 blah. And he was kind yeah. of recognising that, you know, these very hyperbolic statements you're making, they're actually justified because... Yeah, the science behind it does kind of make sense and yeah your body is not going through the physical motions but your brain is telling it that it is so therefore like everything you're feeling is justified to feel because for you in that moment it is a hundred percent real like your body is telling yourself you're in immense danger you know your fight or flight is kicking in and you you're in real real trouble and having to bring yourself out of that and to have some twatty person next to you going, stop flapping while you're trying to bring yourself out of that is really, really hard. Yeah, no, definitely. Oh, that, yeah. was, that was a big old vent. can tell I've cleared yeah. it somewhere. <laughs> it's needed. Yeah. I'm glad I've yeah, got no, some pent up anger about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I understand. I've, um, I had an ex and I've had um, a family member get angry at me when I've had a panic attack just from not understanding Um, yeah I think a lot of it you know I understand I understand ignorance to mental health and I understand that it's not going to be something that everyone can relate to and that's like loads of loads of issues and loads of you know uh, other health issues that people have I wouldn't be able to relate to them and I would never pretend to be able to relate to them but I would never dismiss it as an important thing to, to talk about and something that's clearly an important thing in their life because it's just rude and it's yeah. it's so unnecessary <laughs> a very deep chat so I uh I very much appreciate your honesty and thank you yeah I've enjoyed it your sensitivity with topics which are incredibly hard-hitting and not easy to talk about but you talk about it with such beautiful maturity that it, it you know, makes it sound like a normal conversation. 
Oh, well, I think, um, yeah, I think I know who I've got my inspiration from. I was saying to someone today how inspiring it is that you're being so open about it. And just the messages that you've had from people just shows how you opening, I mean, obviously the dialogue has been open before, but you continuing to open it is helping so many people and it's made me want to be more open about my own mental health. Aww. Stop it. Ain't we cute? Ain't we bloody adorable? It's the thing though that like you think, I used to think it was such a me problem, which sounds really like almost egotistical that I was like, oh, I have anxiety. Oh, I have a panic disorder. Like this is, oh, it's a thing that's wrong with me. And you talk to people and I'm like, I am nothing special here. You know, it's tragically sad, but this is so fucking common. This is so, so common and so many mental health disorders and not even mental health, but just everyone has something. Everyone has something they're going through, whether it's a physical health thing or a mental health thing or a, a family thing or a disability thing or a, like everyone's got something that they either feel ashamed to talk about or that perhaps they feel a bit embarrassed to talk about or perhaps they want to talk about but feel there's going to be some sort of shame or some sort of judgment if they do and I just think if we could all be a teeny bit brave maybe then it could help that and I understand that sometimes those things aren't meant for normal conversation and sometimes you know they are heavier topics which deserve a quieter space and a more private space and people who don't want to talk about mental health or anything else I respect that massively and I think it's such a personal thing but for me personally not only does it help me but it I hope would you know younger me might hear it you know 16 year old me or like 14 year old you might be like okay I'm not like completely insane like there are other people who feel like this and if they can get through it then so can I. Just because you haven't been through something doesn't mean you can't be an ear or a, you know, my friend Kira sent me something on Instagram a couple of days ago and she went, am I being an ass or is this wrong? And we chat about mental health quite a lot because she's someone who, who hasn't personally suffered but finds it really interesting to hear about people who have. And um, she sent me this post and it was someone who said, unless you've uh, never had a panic attack, you won't understand. This massive list of everything you could possibly imagine. And at the very end, it was like, unless you've experienced mental health, you will never understand it. And I was like, no, like, no. I understand the sentiment of, you know, when you go through something, it does give you a, a connection and a, you know, you are able to relate to things in perhaps a different way, but you can't, you know, kind of eliticize the conversation and close it off to anyone who hasn't yeah. experienced it because that goes against everything of it needs to be a conversation that anyone can talk about and anyone feels they can bring it up and, you know, they won't be shut down or knocked away or gone, oh, I haven't experienced that, so I'm not, I, you know, you can't talk to me about it because I won't get it. You know, it just, it completely just goes against everything. And I saw it and it had like hundreds of thousands of likes. And I was like, damn, because people are going to see that and think that that is how like the conversation needs to go. And it, it so doesn't. Yeah, no, I'm completely with you. And I think also, even if you haven't experienced it to a level where it's chronic going and you've received a diagnosis or someone close to you has every single unless maybe you've got some kind of weird personality disorder or something has experienced anxiety at some point or has been sad or has been stressed Uh, so I think it's these even though these emotions people might not have experienced them to the point where it's an illness but they are still part of human condition I suppose I suppose to finish this very lovely chat um I've asked everyone to say if they could give one piece of advice to either their younger self 
or themselves when they were first sort of experiencing mental health issues or when they were in their lowest or what is the one piece of advice so you've actually said mine because mine um would always be what you're feeling is temporary like if I could tell what I still I still wish I would believe it if I would tell myself that now when I'm in bad points it's something that I wish I could have ingrained in my brain and if there's one piece of advice that I knew I would take on it would be everything is temporary you will you know what you're feeling now you're not going to feel it forever so what would be your one piece of like magic advice that that you would be able to take in I think mine would be that having struggled with mental illness doesn't stop you from live from living an amazing life and I think about all the great people I've met and all the adventures I've been on and all the crazy stuff that I've done in the last decade though I've still been able to do that while struggling with mental health even when the days can look quite monotonous or difficult when you look back at it you can think yeah that was that was a a good ride yeah like it's not your it's not your personality you know it's not it doesn't make up who you are it's just something that that you deal with that is a part of you but it's not the whole of you no yeah exactly yeah it, it doesn't have to define your life this is healing girl summer baby oh we love to see it <laughs> we're gonna have a healing girl summer and we're gonna exactly drink pints of prava on the beach and cry yeah. and it, yeah have a real real self-soothe yeah we um, will we i will. couldn't think of anyone i'd rather do it with oh me too